our scripture reading is Isaiah chapter 56, verses 1, and then jumping down to 6 through 8. Um, if you want to follow along in the Pew Bible, that's page 525. Um, although I did find out, sometimes they look exactly the same, but there's a different Pew Bible, and it's in a slightly different page, so don't get thrown off. And it's Paul's throwing his hands up like it's not his fault. I'm not blaming you, Paul. It's not your fault. <laughs> But I did notice that. So if, you, if you're like, what are you talking about, Kathleen? I'm not crazy. <laughs> At least not with that. But so if you're there or if you want to follow along on the screen, we're going to read verses 1 and then jump down to 6 through 8. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in, the, in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations. The sovereign Lord declares... He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I missed you folks last week. Well, I missed you, but I was with you online. Paul did a great job. He must have had some in-deal so that he was able to get stuff up on the screen because usually at 11 o'clock on Saturday night, it's a little too late to say, hey, can you put this up on the screen for me? <laughs> anyway, who likes surprises? Yeah? I think we all like surprises sometimes, depending on what the surprise is, right? You know, if it's a, a birthday present or... Uh, you know, a pay raise or something like that, that's a good surprise. It's not so good surprise when you run out of toilet paper <laughs> or you uh, think, oh, I know what we're going to have for dinner tonight. It's going to be the leftovers. And then you open them up and it's grown a beard in the meantime. <laughs> so some surprises are better than others. Um, I was cleaning the basement with my son the other week, a couple weeks ago. And I had a nice surprise. I found $200. Yeah. I was going through a bunch of stuff, chucking, 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 chucking. You know, I was opening them up and look through. And, and um, I opened one up, and there was $200 in it. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad I opened that up. Anyway, um, I have a surprise in here. I have a surprise. You want to know what it is? You want to know what it is? You can come up here then. I need you to do something first. You think you can turn around three times for me? Turn around. One, two, three. Okay. Can you clap your hands five times? One, two, three, four, five. And can you say the alphabet? Eight, nine, ten, 
Wow, that was great, and it even had a dance to go with it. Good job. Would you like to see what's in the surprise bag here? Hmm? Would you like to see? Okay, but you can't see. You have to trust me that there's something really good in here that you'll like. Actually, there's several things in here, but you can have one, okay? So you can close your eyes and put your hand in there, and, oh, are you sure you're going to put your hand in there? Oh, one. Oh, you got two. Okay, well, okay. What'd you get? Uh, okay, so you got a, a car and a, and a crab and a turtle. Yeah, okay, good job. You like those surprises? Yeah, a lot better than leftovers with a beard on it, right? Well, um, when I went away, I thought I took the scriptures with me. And I had the Isaiah passage, and I had the Psalm passage, but I wrote down the wrong Matthew passage. So all week I was looking at it going, these don't quite match up. That was a surprise. <laughs> um, so when I was trying to get it together last night, at 8 o'clock I looked at it again, and I realized I was looking at the wrong Matthew passage. And that makes sense. That's why it didn't work. The p Matthew passage... Matthew passage that I should have been looking at was the one about the Canaanite woman who um, had a daughter who had a demon possession. And she went to Jesus and said, hey, help me please. My daughter needs your help. And Jesus was like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. didn't, and that surprised me. Because Jesus came to help everybody, right? And so she, she's like, but please Jesus, I know you can do this. And he's like, well, you know, I came for the children of Israel, and you're not one of them. So I can't really help you right now. If I were to help you, it would be like taking food from children and giving it to the dogs. And she's like, but Jesus, I need your help. And you know what? Even the dogs get to eat what falls off the table. So can't you help me? And Jesus said, you know what? You have faith. You may not be a child of Israel, but you're a child of God, and I'm going to help you. And with that, her daughter was healed, and it was a surprise because he wasn't too sure that he was actually going to help her, but he had faith, and he knew, she knew, that he had the power, and all she had to do was keep faith. And so, Ben was able to trust that I had something good in the bag for him, and he was willing to go through all those things to get to it. And it makes me think about sometimes when we forget that we can ask God for things, sometimes he makes us wait, sometimes he says yes right away, and sometimes he says, well, that's not quite what I had in mind. But the other thing that kind of surprises me is that um, we forget that he does the same thing for everybody, whether they're a member at Central Baptist Church, or whether they're a Baptist, or whether they're a Christian even. Because he came for everyone. And all we need to do is pray and ask and believe that he will do it. So we need to be praying for and believing that everyone 
can have the blessings that he has given us. And we need to pray for those that don't know him so that they can come to know him and trust him and accept those wonderful gifts that he has for us. So, there we go. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you love all of us, not just the chosen ones, but all of us, because we're all chosen. You've chosen each and every one of us to be your children, your heirs, and you want to give us good things. We just need to remember to ask and to be persistent and to be patient, but to most of all have faith and trust that what you do, you do for a reason. You give us the things you give us for a reason, and you give us the things that we need, not necessarily the things that we want. So we thank you for that, and we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for this woman's faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your amazing grace. We ask that you will give us a new um, vision of that today, that we will realize just how amazing your grace is and how wonderful it is that we have received it and that we can share it in your name. Amen. Okay, guys, what are we talking about? We shifted topics last week. How to be saved. That's right. We are like back to the complete basics. And so last week we talked about how to be saved. And this week we're just going to kind of talk about what, what happens next, I guess. Um, does anybody remember what, we, uh, what imagery we used last week to help illustrate what we often call salvation? Rescued. And we were talking about shipwrecked, because those make a really good analogy for, <laughs> for this kind of thing. Um, and the reason why I'm using the word rescue so much is because I feel like, I'll just repeat this, I said this last week, but um, I feel like the word saved has become so used that we've started to lose the sense of what it actually means. And if we say rescued, it sounds like, oh, I was in a bad situation and, and I was rescued. I am taken out of that bad situation. So what do we have to do to be rescued? We have to realize we need to be rescued. Accept Jesus by faith. And there was a verse that we looked at last week that said, if you... Believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, and no, I do this backwards every time. <laughs> if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So, we have to know that we need to be saved, and then we need to be able to trust in Jesus. We talked about trusting, and that that's part of our rescue, and we had this image of us being on this life raft, and there's a big boat right there, not far away. We don't have to like swim out to it or go find it or, or anything. It's right there and they're ready with the, the life preservers and the 
all the things that Jesus actually will come right down into our life raft with us and get us out of there. We just have to trust him to do it and accept that rescue. So let's say that we have all done that. We're all here, and now we're all in the boat, the big boat, the safe boat. And what happens next? Could be, but we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> okay, let's go back to that <laughs> um, later. <laughs> that does that does have to do with this, though. Ron, for people who couldn't hear Ron, he just said David. That's David. David's annoying. Oh, that that is also David. This could apply maybe to either of them. <coughs> Did I say that? David's annoying, and so he couldn't possibly be rescued. Okay, keep that in the back of your mind. That's a little rude, but, <laughs> but we'll use it. Okay, just a reminder that from actually earlier this year, the good news of salvation, of our rescue, of Jesus Christ, is not just, or even mostly, about going to heaven when we die. It's great if we're on the boat and we're going to eventually land on land and it's going to be a good land, and that is, that's great, but there's still a whole bunch of people that need to be rescued. We're not going there yet. So what do we do while we're on the boat in the meantime? Yes, learn to be rescuers. We were just rescued. We were brought from death to life. So what are we doing with this life before we get to the next one? We are helping to rescue. We also need to take a little time to recover. I think sometimes we don't, depending on what our experience before we met Christ has been like, um, we may need more or less time to recover, or we may be more or less aware of the time that we need to recover. Um, I, I'll go back to the novels that I've been reading about people being shipwrecked that I told you about last week. In both of them, when the main characters get saved from their horrific shipwrecked experience, they have to recover. In one of the books, uh, called Ahab's Wife, the, there are two characters. There's a young man and a young woman, and they both have been traumatized, and the young man does not actually fully recover. He kind of goes insane. And so there's a lot of stuff that can happen to us before we are rescued. And if we don't have the time to recover and we're not connecting with our brothers and sisters in Christ and we're not spending time with Jesus himself, we can get super busy and not actually be a whole lot of help in rescuing people, and we also might have a harder time unlearning some of our previous patterns that are not part of the kingdom of God. We also talked a little bit about how, we talked about this the last two weeks, about how, um, to switch analogies, living the life of Christ is kind of like a science fiction concept where you have two universes, parallel universes, but they're actually overlaying each other, and so Christians are kind of living in both at the same time. We're living in the world, but we're not of the world. 
when we get rescued, we need to take some time to learn the ways of God's kingdom, which is the new, the new way of being for us. So we need time to recover. We need time to learn these new ways of living that are part of living in God's reality instead of the reality that we lived in before. And the first verse of Isaiah 56 kind of highlights that. It said, this is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Last week we talked about righteousness. And just as a reminder, righteousness in the Bible is a twofold concept. And that's probably why in English, even though righteousness is kind of an old-fashioned word, except in the 80s when it was slang, um, it is, there isn't another word in English that really means what righteousness means. Righteousness means moral goodness according to God's law and social justice together, also according to God's law. So you, when you're talking about righteousness, you cannot pull those two things apart. They belong together. And so God says, maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed, and righteousness and salvation go together too. We don't get rescued by our righteousness. We said that last week. Just a reminder, there is nothing we can do that is going to be righteous enough to get us into the boat. But when we are rescued, righteousness is near us, just like the boat was near us when we were in our little life raft. We don't have to look for how to be righteous. It's right there. God wants to empower us to live in his way, and so we should start practicing we got on the boat, and now we have to learn how to operate on this boat. This will enable the rescue of other people. In fact, rescuing others, as Kathleen just pointed out, is part of kingdom righteousness. Salvation and righteousness go together. So, just a reminder, I say this here a lot because I feel like we need the reminder a lot. And it's hard, in our daily lives, it's hard to keep this in front of us. But God's purpose for humans and creation was always to be in relationship with him, and specifically for humans, we're supposed to be in relationship with God so that we can express God to each other and the rest of creation. And so our, when we're rescued, when we're saved, that means we learn to participate in that. That's a new reality for us, but it's actually the intended reality that God had when he created all this stuff in the first place. So when we encourage people into Jesus' rescue, we are inviting them into fully realized humanity. We're not trying to say, well, you're going to have to, they might have to give up some things, but the point is not we're giving up a whole lot of things and we're becoming like super straight-laced and boring and, and legalistic and, and all of these things. We're actually inviting people to become the full measure of who God created them to be. So, who 
gets rescued. Well, in the Bible, both Testaments, actually, um, there is a big emphasis on the divide between Jews and Gentiles. And the reason is, we've been looking at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for the last couple of months, and those are the people that God chose first through whom to restore his intended order to creation. And they formed a people that God intended to form, the Hebrew people, later the Jews, And those people were supposed to represent God to the rest of the world, to bless the world. But people like to divide themselves up. Have you ever noticed? (laughs) There are a whole lot of ways we can try to do that. And so a lot of Jewish people thought, we're the chosen people, so everybody else can go to wherever. That's Sheol right? (laughs) Later, Gehenna. Um, Yes, so this was a problem. Some Old Testament people, some First Testament people adopted God's covenant promise and ideal to bless people of all nations through his special nation. They were looking forward to that. Isaiah, for example, in this passage, there are a few psalms that get excited about the idea of people from other nations worshiping the one true God, but a lot of people, we can tell that it was not a majority value because we have stories like the story of Jonah, who's like, the Assyrians? Oh no, I'm going to go over there. Or uh, I would rather be eaten by a fish than go tell the Assyrians how to be saved. Or um, there are some other places in the Old Testament that show that people were not that a lot of the Hebrew people were not so fond of the non-Hebrew people. Also, we can see it in the New Testament, because there's a whole lot of teaching about God trying to reconcile Jews and Gentiles, God trying to save both of them through Jesus Christ. And the animosity went both ways. It's not just that the Jews were prejudiced. The Gentiles also didn't really like the Jews very much. So today, if we had been in the lectionary, the, the two New Testament passages are from Romans 11 and Matthew 15, and Barb brought up the Matthew 15 story, which is really challenging because it sounds like Jesus is racist in that story, and we've talked about that here. We can do it again sometimes. We're not going to really dig into that right now, but in that story, Jesus is playing against existing prejudices that exist among the Hebrew people, And before he helps this Canaanite woman, he's playing with these racial ideas that the Jewish people, his disciples right there, probably had. But in Romans, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, Gentile Christians, the Jews aren't actually rejected as the people of God just because you Gentiles now get to be part of the people of God. Guys, Don't leave each other out. And so Isaiah says in today's passage, And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and all who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar 
For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, the sovereign Lord declares. He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. And Jesus says something similar in John 10. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. God, through his son Jesus, is really, really invested in overturning the brokenness that entered the world when humans first sinned. He is really invested in reconciliation. We talk about this all the time. The good news of Jesus Christ, of his life, death, and resurrection, is that he came to reconcile humans to himself, humans to each other, humans to creation, and humans within our own selves, because we're kind of broken inside, too, aren't we? So, is there a right kind of person for this? Is there anybody that you can think of that should not be told this message? (laughs) Okay, Ron says David again. Okay, so... Race and ethnicity are some really obvious human divides. Um, Last week we talked about the passage of how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's a quote from the Old Testament that, that Paul was quoting, the Apostle Paul was quoting. And we have some barriers to our feet being beautiful, and a lot of times the race and the ethnic barrier is the problem. Um, And so in the New Testament times and in the antebellum South and in some other places in our world today, uh, people might avoid introducing other people to Jesus because they didn't think those people, based on their race, were fully human or were worthy of being rescued. I don't think that there's anybody in this congregation who would say a person of another ethnicity or a person of another race is not fully human. I don't think that that's, based on what I know about the people in here, I don't think that's the vibe. But, (laughs) because we're all still recovering sinful humans, um, I suspect that we do, each of us, have some preferences of people that we would like to see rescued. And some other people that maybe we feel a little more uncomfortable about. Um, Ron apparently feels uncomfortable about David. <laughs> that, that's you guys. You're going <laughs> to have to work that, that one out. Um, I don't think that, is the, that race is one of our specific problems here at Central Baptist Church. But I do think that sometimes there are barriers. And I also don't think, and I think our church is unique in this, sometimes uh, economic status can become a barrier. We have some people with money and we have some people without money and, and those two groups don't mix. And we can probably all do a better job of mixing together Um, But I don't think anybody here would say, oh, I'm not going to witness to that person because they have too much money or because they don't have enough money. But I do think that there are probably some other 
things that keep us apart from each other, that make us um, leery of each other. So what are some reasons? You don't have to tell me what people. Please don't tell me what people. (laughs) You feel uncomfortable um, sharing rescue with. But what are some reasons maybe that we would be hesitant to share about Jesus' rescue? What's that? Past hurt. Okay. Intimidation. You want to say more about that? Yes. Okay. Intimidation. Fear of rejection. The type of past sins. Okay. Some of us have, we know we all have sins, but some sins, let's be honest, seem a little more severe than other sins. And we maybe don't know how to, and, and, what if they're not past sins? Yeah. So, I'm going to be honest with you. I went to the UK in my 20s as a missionary, and I was perfectly happy to work with anybody from any country. And the part of England that I lived in, the part of London that I lived in was very ethnically diverse. I met people from countries I had never even heard of before, and I loved it. I loved being with all these people with different cultures and different religions and different foods and different clothing, and it was great. You know who it terrified me to talk to about Jesus? White, educated, wealthy Americans or British people. That might sound like, sometimes I ask myself this, I'm like, so am I racist? <laughs> that, that, I, that I preferred other people, that I felt more comfortable with other people? I don't think that's exactly what it is. It's a little complicated. But the fact is, there are sometimes people that we feel like they're okay. They have... They have, uh, or they're never going to listen to me. They're going to think I'm weird. They're going to, there's so many reasons why we don't try to tell people about the rescue that they can have in Jesus Christ. But the fact is, everybody needs to be rescued. And it is not up to me to say, that person doesn't need to be rescued, either because I think they're better than me or because I think they're worse. Again, like I said last week, our telling people about Jesus is not always going to be about telling. Probably it will get there eventually. But it is going to be about what Isaiah says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. We, when we are living close to Jesus, and we are living his goodness, his justice, among the people that we live, whoever they are, that's a different way of living. That's God's kingdom way of living. We don't see that in this world. And that is the start of sharing 
the refuse of God. So let's, let's go refuse. Let's tell people in our lives and in our words. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you have rescued us and you invite us to invite other people into that rescue. And there is no division in your mind of who is worthy. It's all up to the response that people have to you. And we know that people's responses will be based a lot on how we live, how we treat them, how we love them in Jesus' name. And so we pray for your strength and your Holy Spirit to empower us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.